hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? Fifty thousand. up everybody welcome to the kanja book club a weekly teeny podcast where we intentionally experience the star wars expanded universe together one story at a time i am one of your hosts timothy guthrie and before i introduce anybody else i have to give a massive shout out to one of our hosts who is not here and that is patrick mcintosh uh, because our boy is gonna take the month off because he is getting hitched He's getting married, y'all. Uh, make sure to give him a shout out whenever you can in the Discord. Um, that is happening at some point later this month. Uh, but I was like, dude, you need a break. Like, take it, enjoy it with family, with your girl, do your thing. So you don't need us. You don't need to talk about Star Wars. Like, do whatever you need to do. So he's going to take an extended break this month. But that is because it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's okay because we're bringing in somebody... He may not like me for saying this, but we're bringing somebody even better, even better. But I want to tease that out for just a little bit Uh, because, you know, my my friend, I guess, is here. And that's Adam Dyson. Adam, how are you, sir? I can't believe that you are saying that Patrick is just going to be away for the month. You fired him. You're just not willing to let anyone know. (laughs) <laughs> I I was waiting until after he found the security in his marriage to tell him that he was fired. Thanks for ruining this, you evil man. <laughs> and then I'm next, everybody. Don't let him do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Because we brought in the one, the only, the legendary, you know her from guest appearances in Legends Look Back. You know her as a frequent regular in the Assembly Chat Lover of all things, Timothy's on and Thrawn. Cheryl freaking Bell is here. Cheryl, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. We are super excited to have you here, and you are solely the reason that I fired Patrick. So, <laughs> well, <let's... laughs> I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to be too late. It is responsible for that. <laughs> too late. It is already there. <laughs> Oh, no, we are super glad to have you. And uh, hopefully this month is killer. And, you know, we can leave this uh, Manchester United fan by the wayside. So, uh, Cheryl, you don't really sports, but I did introduce you to the one and only Marble Olympics last night. Did you get a chance to watch this? Uh, No. So I opened it up. No. Watched it for about a minute. Looked at the timestamps that this was like a 10 minute long video, uh-huh. and I was like, You've got to be kidding me. And then I just stopped watching it because I've got, I, I just had other things better to do. With my Listen, I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you, all right, Scott is in here, all caps. I love the Marble Olympics. So here's the thing I think people listening, you wise, lovely human beings, sentient species all over this galaxy, we need to convert Cheryl. We need to make her a fan of this. I think it just, I think if we all wish it, we all push it, I think it'll happen. So, Adam, do you feel confident this is a thing that, that might happen? Yeah, I think it starts with Marble Olympics and then slowly evolves into football appreciation. And then she oh becomes a Liverpool fan, <laughs> right? Isn't no. that how that works? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we'll we'll kill it there, Cheryl. We'll, we'll kill the sports talk there. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, to all of you in the chat, whether you are live or you're listening to us on whatever podcast feed, 
somewhere down the line. We are so glad um, to have you with us. Um, we are live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes hit the UTNE Patreon feed every Tuesday morning around midnight. And if you can't catch us live, send us a message if you'd like to get your thoughts on the air. Um, always love interacting with you guys and making sure that y'all are a part of the show. Um, we don't have too many updates to bring to your attention. Um, one thing on the Patreon front is the Living Force guys, um, Eric and Charles and Wes and Corey, they got together last night and they recorded their commentary for the Phantom Menace. Um, and it is like two hours and 17 or 18 minutes long. Um, I got to listen to just a, a handful of it there at the beginning, and it is unlike anything that we've ever done. Um, so I'm super excited about it. That will drop hopefully tonight at midnight. So February 7th um, at midnight is when it will go live. So I hope you guys are super excited about that. Um, and whenever you want to, whenever you want to watch The Phantom Menace, if you want those four annoying guys in your ear the entire time <laughs> um you can do that whatever you want so a uh, definite plug for patreon there um you can find us utini.com forward slash patreon or patreon.com forward slash utini um it is exclusive to our patrons and always will be so if you want to get access to that make sure to do that you can jump in starting at five dollars so and the only other thing is I uh, want to plug the reminder that I know we're covering Air of the Empire this month, but we will be covering um, Alphabet Squadron Victory's price in March. So make sure to go ahead and pick that up. If you have not already pre-ordered, um, head over to utini.com, look up the book, and you can go ahead and do that through our Amazon links. So anything, Adam, you want to shout out anything? I know there's no nothing in the Discord, but anything going on in life you want to share? Not with you, Timothy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. Just try, trying to make you feel part of it. Trying to bring you into You're something. You're so something mean. <laughs> yes, I have an ally. How do you put up with this guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't you have to. to all, when you listen to the back episodes, you will see his shade. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I haven't been the best of friends. But we'll just, we'll leave it at that. All right, fine. You don't have anything you, you want to share? Fine. That's fine. Let's talk about <laughs> the whole reason that we are here, and that is Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. If you've not known what this book is, um, I, I'm sorry that you've been living under a rock this whole time. We're, I'm, I'm glad you found us. I'm glad you found it. Um, we will try to not get into spoilers as we talk about this, but... Just just know that we're not entirely responsible if, if we happen to ruin anything. Um, you know, it's you, your mischildren. <laughs> the book's only been out not... since 1991. Yeah, you know. <laughs> 1991. Like, come on, guys. But super excited. I think, Scott, if I'm not mistaken, I think this might be your first time reading it. Um, I know, Cheryl, you have read it a bunch. Um, and Adam, this you've, you've just read it for the first time, right? Yes, this is my first time. And I probably would have stayed under that rock for the foreseeable future if someone didn't send me in the direction of that book. Well, I am. <laughs> and, and, and from there, I'm, I'm already up to or about 70% through the second one. Nice. So I'm powering through the trilogy really quickly. Good for you. Good for you. I was trying to get him to just do the chapters that we were going to be talking about. Yep. Because you know how you sometimes say, what do you think is going to happen next? Yep. And I was like, then you'll be able to answer that, like, honestly, because you won't know what will have happened. But then he was like, I just couldn't put it down. I was like, valid. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, it looks yep. like, oh, wait. 
Yeah, Chris, you're right. This means uh, that this we're coming up on the 30 year anniversary of this book being released this year. That is absolutely wild. Um, super cool. Um, Scott says this is his first time. Chris says this is his third time reading it. And then we've got Ultimate Sauce 8. I love that name. Uh, this is his first ever EU book. Um, and he's loving it so far. So, man, what a what a place to jump in. Um, quick intro to basically Timothy Zahn and this book. Um, it did come out May 1991. This was basically what the sequel trilogy was originally designed to be. Um, you know, there were no official plans, but uh, somebody tasked Timothy Zahn with going, hey, uh, if this was what happened after Return of the Jedi, go for it. Do the thing. Um, and this is what we get. And it came at a perfect time in legends history um, where not a whole lot was going on. And this kind of jump started everything fresh um, and it gave star Wars a new life. Um, Timothy's on ended up writing the, this, the, the whole trilogy, um, which is heir to the empire, dark force rising and last command. He ended up writing a duology inspector of the past and vision of the future. He wrote books like survivor's quest and outbound flight and allegiance and choices of one and scoundrels. I mean, this dude has done star Wars and one of the characters who is introduced in this book, Mara Jade. Um, she ends up getting her own kind of comic centric series at one point that he got to write for. Um, and that, that's all legend stuff. I mean, he's done like 20 something projects plus in the legends realm. And on the canon side of things, he's written the de facto Thrawn trilogy um, and Thrawn alliances and treason. Um, and he's working on his second Thrawn trilogy, which is a more legitimate trilogy. I think um, a more straightforward uh, story in chaos rising. Greater good is coming out in April. Um, I think at the end of April. And then we've got book three, which will come out probably sometime later next year. So this dude knows what he's talking about, loves the Star Wars. Um, Timeline-wise, this book takes place 9 ABY. Um, so this is Legends, and it's approximately five years after Return of the Jedi, uh, which is really interesting because we're getting this same time period in canon is basically when Mando is happening. So you could almost kind of put these side by side and see exactly, I don't know, how, how things are different. You can uh, track that pretty well, which is really neat because in this last season of Mando, spoiler alert, we got a name reference to Thrawn, um, a name drop. So I don't know, maybe they could find a way to bring some of this back in a unique way. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll speculate that later on. Um, the Utini rating is very important to us. This is one of our foundational five. I don't think there's anything that anybody could ever do to take this out of the foundational five. It is so freaking good. It's got a 9.0. It's rated as incredible. Um, the tag on it says this massive bestseller and absolute must read ventures into uncharted waters for the Star Wars universe and captures the heart of the saga. Um, and I'm sure that those of you that have read these first eight chapters for the first time um, have already kind of seen how that happens. So I guess without further ado, let's get into it. Are y'all ready? Um, put some kind of crazy excited emoji in the chat if you are thrilled for this, which again, I want to shout out everybody that's here. We got Brea and Chris and Maggie and Scott and Ultimate Sauce. Um, super glad that um, <laughs> love the excited faces. Snoke, does Snoke belong in this trilogy? I don't think so, but I, I love the Snoke with the arms outstretched um shout out to joxie for all of his incredible designs there um <laughs> that's awesome all right so remember folks this is spoiler heavy territory if you have not read the book and you plan to do so soon continue at your own risk 
But again, this book is 30 years old. What are you doing? All right. <laughs> Five years after the loss of Emperor Palpatine, a mostly untrained and struggling Imperial remnant is rebuilding under the command of possibly the greatest military mind the Empire had ever seen, Grand Admiral Thrawn. He heads to Merkur, where the planet's indigenous wildlife, the Asalamiri, is one piece of the puzzle to completely defeating the fledgling New Republic. On Merkur, a man named Talon Card talks with his soon-to-be-appointed number two, Mara Jade, when the Chimera suddenly drops into orbit above them. While Card sets up assistance with the Asalamiri extraction for Thrawn, Mara shares her plans for the future while being coy with her past. With the Asalamiri in tow, Thrawn heads to the planet Wayland to confront a dark Jedi clone, actually, who is guarding one of the, Imper the Emperor's storehouses. The Dark Jedi reveals his name to be Jorus Sabaoth, and he is not thrilled to be disturbed. Thrawn needs his help, though, and eventually gains his aid with the promised capture and delivery of Luke, Leia, and the twins she now carries to him. In Imperial City, Luke dreams up a Force connection with Ben Kenobi. He's the first of a new kind of Jedi, but he's full of unease as the New Republic has resurfaced itself within the remnants of the Empire on Coruscant. Leia is stretched thin, Han's missions to recruit are turning up nothing, and the New Republic Command is full of infighting. In an attempt to get things back on track, our heroes head to Bimisari for talks to join the New Republic. Just like old times, though, things quickly go awry as Luke gets separated from the pack. And teams of Nogri, the same species as Thrawn's personal bodyguard Rook, um, gang up on our heroes. Backed into a corner, Luke does the thing he doesn't want to do and throws Milner, uh, whoops, his lightsaber at the creatures, kills them, and calls it back to his hand. Leia and Han get clear in their own way, and then they all head back to Coruscant to return the next day with some allies. On board the Chimera, Thrawn and Paleon discuss the readiness of Wayland, and Sabaoth is upset the Nogri failed him on Bimisari. He wants to call the Jedi himself through the Force, so Thrawn finds a way to make that happen while prepping him to be used in the upcoming Sluis Van shipyard attack. The beginning of a long path to overtaking the Rebellion. Whew! Some fun stuff. You love my Milner reference? I'm, I'm rewatching the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, and Thor was fresh on my mind, so I had to put that in there. <laughs> so are we. We're going through a rewatch, too. Good. Good. Where are y'all right now, actually? We're on... What did we just watch? We just watched Ant-Man, right? Nice. Civil War next? I am halfway through Civil War right now. I was watching it before we jumped on the show. I had to press pause, and I'm kind of upset about it, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> oh, man. So let's talk about this. Um, actually, before we do that, Cheryl, you have a really unique history with this book. Um, give me, like, what is your history with this? I don't know if it's a unique history. I just, I, I was in chapters in my youth. <laughs> uh, it was around, I want to say, like, probably 1998. I was at the bookstore and I thought, oh, I'll, hey, I'll just randomly see if there's Star Wars books. Like, because I was heavily into Star Wars Insider Magazine. So mm. I thought, oh, they must do books, right? So I was just getting into Insider Magazine, realized that they have books. And then I picked out Heir to the Empire as like my first Star Wars book, <laughs> which nice. was pretty lucky. So, and then I started reading it on, and halfway through reading it, I was going to Sweden. So I finished reading it while I was in Sweden. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I have to know what happens now. So I made my grandpa take me into like Stockholm and like find a bookstore in Sweden that had it. And I finished reading it in Sweden, like that the is, other two books. That is yeah. absolutely incredible. 
Um, and I imagine, I mean, you found it in English, I would assume. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, everything. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, I cannot imagine being in a, out. Oh, that's so neat just to be in a different country and find Star Wars. I love how international it is. Um, and that you could find it there. I mean, which I guess isn't too long after it was released either. Um, but that it was still readily available is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, and you've just I was lucky. loved him ever since. Yeah. And so uh, it was funny because after I tried reading <laughs> Freddy's Gonna Kill Me, <laughs> I read The Truce at Baccarat uh-huh. after, and I was like, not impressed. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I really love Zahn's writing style. Okay. And it's hard for me to go from reading one of his books to reading some other writing styles afterwards. It, it takes a while for me to like get into them. So I remember thinking <laughs> the Truce of Bakra was like not so good. Huh. Um, that is fascinating. So every, t- every time Freddie like gushes over it, I'm like... <laughs> yep. So I will say that uh, Heir to the Empire was actually my first Legends book to read. So I read these back um, two Christmases ago, I guess. So Christmas 2019. Um, I finished the Thrawn trilogy um, just before New Year's. And then I started... I think that's right. And then um, I started Truce at Bakura right afterwards. So I had all of this love for Heir to the Empire, in part because of your, like, this is an incredible book. Why have you read this already? Um, and then I had Freddy in the other, other ear going, like, you have to read this because it's an incredible Legends book. Um, and so I, I, I had the opposite experience, which is really interesting <laughs> that I, I loved them both. But that's really cool that that was your first. I don't know. We followed a similar track, I guess. That's cool. And then I was just screaming at Adam too once i learned that he had never read them i was like um yeah you have to change that and you love it right i mean like like i know you said you're 70 percent through the the second one but i mean the first it's incredible right yeah it was it was it was too hard to stop at chapter eight and then having to stop at the next three sections this wasn't gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah Cool. Well, let's let's jump into what we did read um, these first eight chapters. Again, we're going to try not to to spoil too much of what comes down the line. Um, but let's talk about the the main reason that we're here, and that's Grand Admiral Thrawn. You know, he feel, this is five years after Return of the Jedi, and he fills this weird power vacuum that's in the Empire. Um, I guess Cheryl, whenever you first read this, did you buy his tactical advantages like through his studying of art? Absolutely. Um, because art promotes communication between cultures and it's universal language that breaks cultural barriers and gives people respect for the beliefs and tradition of others. And in the same way, it can be used to translate societal cultures at the time it was created in. Mm. So you can ascertain the traditions and views of the creator, who in theory is a representative of that group of beings as expressing themselves. So through the art of the time, whether it be painting or sculptures or tapestries so mm-hmm. they all tell a story so you can see how theoretically a tactical genius might be able to surmise the physiological blind spots and thought processes of that race or society from the artist's creation all right patrick if you're listening to this you're never welcome back on this show cheryl just kicked your pants <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no that's that's incredible yeah um adam your thoughts on that it was uh, pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's extremely hard to follow such an answer. And this, like, this is my first time reading this book. The only thing I'd ever seen thrown in previous uh, was Rebels, and then reading the the canon side. So 
I'd seen his depiction of a fascination with art and using art tactically in Rebels itself, but it was not really as played out as it is in this book. Yeah, it's a whole other level. So I definitely appreciated it, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really new to me. I think because I I I grew up watching war movies, um, and and you know loving all of all of those kinds of things. But I don't think I've ever seen art used in this particular way before. So that's really ingenious. I think of of Zahn to be able to to do something different. Um, and I know some people are kind of like he's too OP because he does this and who, who really cares about this? But I'm like, man, that's a, that's a really cool, really valuable trick um, to think of something that I guess the majority of uh, the galaxy may find to be, you know, kind of dull or, or mundane or something like that. Um, and to be able to use it to that kind of an advantage is really, really cool. So yeah, I buy it. I buy it. It's neat. I bet you there's a lot. There's probably a lot of art historians who read this and was like, yes, yes this is it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, probably like freaking out. Yeah. And that's one of the things I loved in his carryover, um, you know, when they reintroduced Thrawn into canon. Um, I loved and we may mention some of those connections uh, as we read this book. Um, but I loved that 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 was something that they didn't throw away, um, that his love of art and the way that he's able to to manipulate and win battles based on understanding other people's cultures that um, that is so pivotal to who he is as a character. I love that they were able to still maintain that in Canon Um, did a fantastic job there. So let's talk about the new Republic switching to the good guys. Um, You know, they're in an interesting place because this is five years after turn of the Jedi. They technically won. Um, but now they don't know what to do that they've won. And there's all of this political bureaucracy. Um, and it's interfering with pretty much any kind of progress that they can make in developing this new Republic. Leia, for instance, is even trying to develop her force sensitivities and training, and she can't even do that because there's just so much going on. Um, Adam, what did what did you make of this messiness that the New Republic seems to be experiencing with all this infighting and everything? I just really looked at it as politics in general. Not only like politics in in the size of a country is a mess. Imagine taking over the polit- political realm of a galaxy. Yeah, it would just it, <laughs> the difficulties that they would be going through are just too immense to even describe. Um, and so, political infighting, I think, is just a natural follow-on effect of of taking over, and not only taking over, but like they've just come out of a war, a galaxy-spanning war, which now they have to clean up. It's just it's natural that that's not going to happen very smoothly. Yeah, for sure. I think about my like my city can't figure things out. <laughs> like <laughs> like they don't know where to divert funds to to fix the roads or, you know, anything like that. I cannot imagine amplifying that, you know, a billion fold pretty much. Um Cheryl, did anything, you know, stick out to you here? Yeah, no, I had the same thought. I was like, if our own democracies on Earth have trouble with this for countries, imagine trying to do it on a galactic level. Like, it's not an easy feat. And more voices, more viewpoints, more infighting, more time trying to, like, spending on trying to get it established. So it honestly made that part of the book make it feel really realistic. Mm. Yeah, is a good way of kind of centering us and like, oh, this this makes sense because we're we're familiar with this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I, I'm interested to see how how this stuff gets resolved and if it gets resolved, because I imagine it's only going to get messier from what. Yeah, from, like, what, from would what it ever read. get resolved? This is just the history of yeah democracies. Well, and, yeah, and knowing like societal shifts too, like um, you know, we get twenty twenty thirty years of of a particular kind of way of life before you know the next generation comes along and supersedes it, and that seems to be the trajectory that Star Wars takes as well. Um, that's very frustrating, but I get it. <laughs> um, smaller scale. Let's talk about Talon Card for a minute. Um, you know, he seems to be this pretty brilliant guy. I mean, we don't get a lot of him um, in this first eight chapters, but there's enough teases that he will probably be a pretty major character. Adam, where do you see this going? Um, you know, thoughts about who he is and, and what his organization is going to look like. Um, just with the little bit that we've gotten from him already. I think uh, question's really hard to answer because I've read this book. Now. Yeah. So like you guys, this speculation is going to be very hard. So yeah. I'm actually a really <laughs> big Talon fan <laughs> and I don't know how to separate the first eight chapters to the following 30 chapters after it. But I did like the seeds that were planted in the first aid. I was, apart from the introduction of Mara J, which was probably my favorite part of the first eight chapters, it is like, his character really really gravitated towards me and again i don't know how to answer that question <laughs> right by separating the first section of the book because i only read the first eight chapters for this <laughs> i stopped you know, spoiler alert he at the end of the book he was my favorite character nice um okay cheryl yeah so it's been a it's been a while since i've reread this book obviously because so i wanted to stop at chapter eight so i knew yep where to stop my thoughts but yeah no um i just assumed he was a very intuitive businessman running a smuggling um organization so and he loves information because the more you know about everything you can always be one step ahead so uh he's a planner he's intelligent he's an observer and he doesn't act out of emotion Mm. um so those are all great qualities of a smart smuggler running a smuggling operation so yeah and yeah i I end up, I really love Talon Card as well. Yeah. One of the things that, and I know Zahn has said this as well, um, but that in some ways Card was kind of who, um, maybe who Han could have ended up if he hadn't have run into, you know, Leia and Luke. I don't know that I buy that fully because Han is just a wild card. And I feel like, like not pun wild card. Um, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like Talon is way more precise, way more put together, way more business savvy, I guess. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think Han, Han is a little bit more impulsive he would he would have a gut reaction and he very much responds to his gut reactions yeah um whereas i don't know based on where we are in this book right now from what i've seen of talent i can't see him being that way mm. so him and han are i see them as two completely different characters yeah I, han I, doesn't have the patience either he doesn't have right. the patience to deal with the type of stuff that would come along with with um having a huge organization like that and running um being responsible for so many people under him i don't think han has the has the patience for that yeah well it seems like something that he even struggles with in canon like he just needs to be doing something always needs to be somewhere else like he yeah i don't feel like he he would be able to handle that too well 
I mean, you see it in in the first eight chapters. Like he's he, you can see him. He says he's struggling to remember the dipl- like that what yeah. Leia taught him, mm-hmm. right? Like you see him being like, okay, trying to remember his diplomatic training that Leia has given him. You know, like <laughs> yep. but he he eventually gets so irritated. So people, if people like Fayella know how to push his buttons, he'll be he'll react. Right. Whereas I don't think Talon is as quick to be that way Mm. he sees the kind of bigger picture beyond his emotions i guess yeah 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 that makes sense and we're gonna get to failure failure or however the heck you say his name because i could i could be pronouncing no no i I, (laughs) it is what it is um yeah we'll get to him later because i don't like that dude at all he's on my list with a couple other not nice people um let's talk about someone who is definitely not nice um jorus sabayoth and i'm probably butchering that last name too i don't even care because i don't like the guy so he is um (laughs) the clone of a former jedi master um which has connections to zon's outbound flight book which he would have written after the fact this is one of those cool publishing things where you kind of leave some breadcrumbs for the future um there's a lot to unpack with him, and I know that he's going to be a, a main kind of threat throughout the rest of this book. But um, Cheryl, what did you make of of his reveal and his like seemingly crazed state um, being a, a, a dark Jedi clone thing? How'd that hit you? As crazy as crazy as this sounds, it sounded logical to me. <laughs> okay. Um, in in just in that um cloning could potentially be a flawed science that hadn't yet fully been perfected or studied like in the long term like because of course this this is a perspective i had i haven't seen i hadn't seen attack of the clones right right? like it wasn't out yet so this was like really the only stuff that we had on clones yet at this point uh when the book first came out and like even in real life they still hadn't successfully pulled off a cloning experience like i think the the first successful one was like in 1996 so it it made sense to me um but the other point that i thought that made it an interesting plot point was that it presented um like Sab- sabayoth i always called him kaboth before so i butchered the name like for years <laughs> sabayoth was unpredictable and so even thrawn could potentially bet the wrong way in regards to his actions mm. so i thought that presented a more layered story in that our two villains are potentially antagonists to one another while trying to work together so i liked that yeah side of it yeah it's a it's a really interesting wrinkle um the it's almost like the opposite of the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing um in a weird way um adam how did you take to to his reveal and um to this this weird kind of persona that he's got you definitely see some mental instability from being the clone and i did love that thrawn took measures to ensure that he was protected from sabayoff if he was to crack so we see him utilize the animal which I've already forgotten the name of, to... Uh, Vorenskirst. No, no, no. Yalamir. No, no. Oh, sorry. There yeah, Salamir. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Salamir. <laughs> so See? He's, he's utilizing these creatures to, to blunt the Force, which you should be doing anyway with the Jedi Master if you serve the Empire, but I think a lot of it is he knows he's a clone. He knows that perhaps that cloning science is not where it should be, 
and that he could crack um, and because he's potentially insane and an insane Jedi Master clone with unlimited force abilities on the bridge of a ship. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And has the and has the balls to want to try to like control that. Like yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Which and I realized I messed up uh show notes a little bit just because I jumped and said Vornskers and that's not right. Because Vornskers are what card his pets. <laughs> um Yeah, Vornskers are the predators. Yes. So yeah. real quick talking about since we've we've mentioned the Isalamiri or however you say it, and I'm just gonna butcher legend stuff. That that is a thing that <laughs> happens in legends often. You know, just mentioning how how Thrawn and, and Sabaoth are, are at odds but have to work together that Thrawn has the tenacity to try to control that. Um, Legends does have a history of, you know, the bigger and stronger that Jedi get, the bigger and stronger the villains get. And so <laughs> the the better the ways to prevent the bad guys from getting even worse and, and vice versa. I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that there's a, like, are they just there because the plot needed them to be there? Or did you buy Thrawn having to... Um, to do like were you okay with how they were used i guess does that make sense um cheryl let's go with you first like i liked it because you take away the force power that the force users become too accustomed to and it's it's an easy crutch to use like writing wine mm, mm-hmm. so it makes for a more interesting story when the space wizards are just everyday beings again yeah so becomes more about brains over brawn again and so it's just i don't know i just find it more interesting so yeah. If even if it is if it is just like a way for him to do use as a workaround, I appreciated that workaround. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And shout out to you for using Space Wizards as well, um which has been canonized in Light of the Jedi which we read last month. Super fun. Um Adam, That was my favorite part. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um and I love that couple too so much. Um which and I just lost their uh their names off the top of my head, but you can read their story in Star Wars Insiders, um which I think the new issue comes out here in a couple of weeks. I can't remember. Sorry sidetrack um adam how'd you feel about this alamiri here i love their introduction it just it brings everything really to a level plane it's more about intellect and not sheer power in the force itself um yeah not much more to say yeah there's something cool about about seeing uh I don't know, I guess in any situation, um, being able to strip someone down to their instinct. Um, and and that, I think that's it's... really a test of, of, are you worth your salt? Can you actually fight? Um, are you good yeah. at what you do? Yeah, and it brings the narrative down from, you know, using force abilities and laser swords to the characters themselves. You know, we're going to see other force users be affected by them later on and how they adapt and their monologues when they're cut off from the force. Mm, um, yeah. You don't really see it from Sabi off because there's not much going on in that mind. But um, like spoiler, like for me, when it, you know, Luke, for example, just a good person loses his connection to the force and then regains it. I think that that character narrative is really good. So it serves both the overall and like just getting to know these people. Yeah. Scott brings up um, a really interesting point. He said, uh, I love how they're a balance to the force in the sense that some beings can utilize the force more than others. Um, other beings or species can reject the use of the force around them. So like there's this weird opposite 
kind of attract thing that they're kind of like pushing it out of the way and, and dampening everything. It, it's really cool. Like you don't really see many, um, I don't know what the word is like a force absorption. I think it just a, a negative I, force. It shows thing. like evolution. Yeah. It shows like it shows a species evolution adapting to its environment within a universe that uses the yeah. force. Like I thought it was cool. We're tired of these people killing us, so let's take away their powers <laughs> over time. Yeah. No. That and I think I think they call that out in the book as well, which is um, mm-hmm. yeah, which is really cool. So let's let's talk about the good guys. Um, and this is more of a, a generalized question, I think, um, when talking about um, them kind of rebuilding on Imperial City. Um, and the New Republic is is trying to rebuild on top of the ashes of the Empire. Um, and I know that depending on on what you've read and when that sometimes, you know, they'll kind of move the capital around to different planets or whatever, but there's something that was jarring to me. And, you know, you see Luke being a little bit unsettled. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts on the new Republic building, you know, in Imperial city on Coruscant, um, where the empire was not, you know, five years ago. Um, does, is that weird to you? It saves a lot of money. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it is. It is very weird. Um, not only that, but, like the emperor's, the emperor's dark force residual. Like as you said, Luke. But they said it's, it's not, not there. <laughs> it's not there. That's what Luke says. He says, but the thing is, is this presence wasn't there. All right. Well, I, I forgot that bit. But it's just from a structural standpoint, I just they should not be using the site of a fascist regime as their own government hub. It just sends the wrong message, right? Well, and you got. <laughs> And I mean, you and I, I think I'm. I have opposite point of view. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> it's not weird to me. Like the most logical and resourceful thing to do is just use existing infrastructure. So in real life, when our governments change, they just take up shop in the same buildings. Like if you already have the government buildings, offices, and senate there for use, why would you not just utilize that? Because then you're not spending your resources on building new things you can just start getting work done i guess as long as you strip the carpet that's got all the bloods built on it that's probably fine <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's it's, it's you can look at it i look at it as yeah real life is a democratic party taking over from another democratic party it makes sense but like we are literally having political change from this tyrant owning the galaxy to really back to a democracy but in on earth <laughs> when democracies take over from what are they called again shoot um, uh dictatorships or yes, yes. dictatorships yeah. do they just don't they just take up shop in the same government facilities i guess so maybe i don't know i can go both ways on it honestly it it mm. feels a little bit weird to me because it is so fresh and you would have people you know dropping by to pay their respects to the fallen emperor or um you know this will always be what it was and maybe those people just need to go away and and do something else with their lives and just just recognize that they lost i don't know um but i also like the idea of of moving it around a bit of like trying to embody that this is a new thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, and I, I think Luke's point was maybe that he couldn't feel the emperor specifically, 
but there was, or his specific presence, but there was still something dark around them. I can't remember exactly what that is, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Ultimate Sauce 8 says, I agree with Cheryl, especially due to how busy everyone in the New Republic obviously is and how much work there is left to do, let alone the looming threat of Thrawn himself. So, yeah, I guess it, it does make a little bit of a practical sense of, you know, instead of trying to set up, you know, new businesses and clear permits with the city and, and, and establishing what this could look like and setting up gates everywhere that, you know, maybe it is better to and more convenient to just walk into something that already exists. Um, it's just, I don't know, there's so much risk because you never know, like, and, and as we'll probably read later on in, in this book and maybe some future books that, I don't know, some stuff may be left behind that you're never going to find and it's probably going to come back and bite you in the butt. I don't know. I don't trust it, but I'm also just relatively um, uh, suspicious at, at nature. I'm not, not very trusting. So maybe that's a, maybe that's on me. I mean, I don't know. All right. <laughs> oh man. Um, let let's talk about I guess some of the main characters, um, because I think they're worth talking about. Uh, let's start with Luke. So sorry, I just saw my cat's paw come out from underneath the door. He really wants to be in here, and that's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's completely closed, and I just see half of an arm sticking through the. It's whatever. It's um, like in the movie Signs with the really, alien hand coming. Really <laughs> though, it's like completely unexpected, and just it just darts under the door. What a weirdo! I love him. Um, he's the little Dark Lord of the Sith, but that's that's not relevant. So Luke is full of doubt at the beginning of this book. Um, he has this weird dream. That's not a dream, but it is a dream with Ben Kenobi. Um, he's not the last of the Jedi. He's the first of a new kind of Jedi. And I, I felt two ways about it. And part of it may be the more that I read legends and some of the stuff that I've read in Canon too. I'm like, Luke takes a really long time to learn things. And I'm just wondering, like, it's been five years since he's achieved, you know, galactic success. Um, why is he still so full of doubt? Um, you know, five years later, Cheryl, do you have any thoughts here? Um, yeah, I have a few, but like the emperor, like purged all records of Jedi and their teachings. So I think he's going to definitely feel a little bit deflated because he doesn't have any resources. Um, people are also looking to him to be this Jedi symbol of the New Republic, and he doesn't necessarily know what that all entails. So that's an mm. immense amount of pressure. And he's also been through some shit, like war, yeah. finding out your father, who your father really is, like a super bad man after years of a preconceived notion of who you thought he was, like a very regular good man. Um, he's found out that he's a space wizard and has all these powers. Like, he's watched um his basically i know that they're not his parents but who were effectively his parents were burned alive and he found their body like he's been through trauma like yeah <laughs> he's got a lot I'll, to process i'll give you that <laughs> yeah for sure I, he's I, been through like a mo what most people have like that's a lot to go through in that amount of time yeah I guess, uh, I guess a follow-up question that I didn't really think of until now either is that, I don't know, it's weird that Ben has to leave him, kind of, right? Like, I would think that over this five years that maybe in some way if Ben's been able to communicate with him that, 
I don't know, maybe he would have still been getting some training and maybe some like, Hey, you can, you're doing a good job. Um, like keep it up. Like this is, I don't know. This is where you can find these things. I don't know. I'm just, I'm wondering why, why Ben left. Do you think he had the what? I mean, he was, he was a spirit. Like he was, he was technically no longer, like he was in a different realm. Like that's not something that must be easy to transverse and just pop up and be like, Hey, like, I, I don't know. I got the feeling like it was, it was something that would require a lot of, a lot of, I don't, I don't even know what word to use. Like, um, and, like amount of concentration and energy and whatever to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Just maximum effort, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Adam, what are your thoughts on all this? I definitely see where you're coming from, Timothy, but even if we had, if Ben had the ability to pop up every day, you know, nine till five and, and teach Jedi tricks here and there, it just, Luke would still be racked with everything else emotionally that he has to deal with his father, you know, the everything with the emperor, everything that kind of Cheryl pointed out is like, you can be the best in your field, but you can still go home and just be a mess. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I think it'd still be. I think even if Ben was there, it'd be very hard. Yeah, I guess thinking through too. I mean, knowing how um, how stressed Leia is, right? Like she wants to train in the Force, mm-hmm. but they're not letting her because there's so much going on in the Republic. Um, you know, I think I, I guess that makes sense that Luke is this. The expectation is too high, um, and sometimes when you know. Um, maybe it's a little bit of, um, imposter syndrome. Um, maybe, you know, that's something that I know I definitely struggle with from time to time. doesn't matter how qualified, you know, uh, a resume looks or, or how well people tell me I'm good at a certain thing. I will always self doubt. So maybe there's, yeah. maybe there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on with Luke. Um, all of a sudden realizing, no, I can't actually do all this. I don't know how to do all this. I know people tell me I can't. Yeah, like when you have no teachers left, it's like, oh, you're the Jedi, like lead us. And he's like, I was only with Ben and Yoda for like a really short amount of time. Like I am not an expert on any of this. Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott says that Ben has used up all of his calling card credits. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He said, I also think about the fact that Luke has only been a Jedi for about a decade, yet most Padawans take around 20 years before they're even knighted. Um, that's, that's with tons of, with tons of teachers all around them all the time. And a lot of colleagues going through it with you too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good It has to be a very isolating, it, he, that's gotta be super isolating for him because he doesn't know that anyone can relate to him and what he's going through. Right. Ooh, I'm excited to, uh, to, to get further into this book because I know that we'll have more to talk about there for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Mara Jade. Um, she, Cheryl, do you say Mara or Mara? Do you... I say Mara. Okay, cool. I like it. We're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> she is a really cool character. And obviously, you know, without spoiling too much, like she becomes a huge piece of Star Wars continuity and, and some of the best storytelling, I think, um, beyond this book and no doubt in place because of this book, but she has something to do with Luke. Um, and I know that she's going to be this big character. What was it, I guess, in reading this that you kind of caught she was going to be big or did you catch anything in this first little couple chapters that there was more to her here? Who are you asking me, Adam? Uh, sorry, Adam. 
<laughs> yeah, this is the first. This is my first introduction to Mara Jade. Was these first eight chapters? And there are little little breadcrumbs that I think you can see that she's going to be a big deal. Apart from the fact that I know she's going to be a big deal because this is Star Wars and we basically know her story anyway. <laughs> um, but you can just see how capable she is. She's already risen to Talon Card's right hand. He's he, he already sees her as a second in command, goes to her for advice. She can speak up. And clearly it hasn't taken her long to get into that position with him. Um, so yeah, I can see that she's going to be a big deal. I love that, uh, you know, there's the, the part where Talon kind of mentions like kind of in his head of, huh, she's a little jumpy whenever the, um, like the, the Vornskers are around and she's also a little, um, take, she, she's kind of set off a bit whenever the old empire is mentioned or when the rebel, the, the new Republic is mentioned too, or whenever Luke is kind of there. Um, I don't know, Cheryl, did that excite you kind of reading about, about that and how she kind of jumped at these things that it kind of perk your ears up a bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I immediately found her intriguing. Yeah. And I, I wanted to desperately know. I was <laughs> like, Ooh, who is she? Where is she from? What's, what's, what's going on here? Ooh. Yes. Why does she hate Luke? Yes. I was very excited personally to read, you know, cause there's a, a long history of strong female characters in star Wars. Um, and I loved that, um, it already looked like we were going to get another one with this, um, that Zahn was, was able to put Mara kind of there at the, the forefront of here's this super dope character that's about to knock your socks off. And I'm just going to tease these little breadcrumbs here and there. And you have no idea what I have planned for her, but it's going to be super epic. And it is cool knowing the things that we do know that she lives up to that very well, I think. So that's mm -hmm. a, a little tease there for you all to stay tuned and to pay extra close attention to her. Now let's talk about the man who, or not the man, the being, the citizen, who is on my list next to Mace Windu. I absolutely despise Borsk Falia, and I know that there's not really um, a whole lot to go on in this you know, <laughs> couple of chapters here. Cheryl, I guess, was knowing that he's already picking a fight with Admiral Akbar. like, did you want to go to blows with him? Yeah, I already hate him. Yeah, he's a typical conniving politician, you know, like the guy that's easy to hate. And he's just a sniveling little like, yeah, I hate him. Yeah, Adam, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> Adam, obviously, you've, you've read the whole book. So try not to, to go full into your probably deep seated hatred of, the, of the, the thing. But how do you feel about him? I'm just happy that we brought back the We Hate Mace Windu segment. Yes, after I what, had to. At least a few weeks. I had so to. So before, uh, before I talk about the Mothan, I'll just reiterate that Mace Windu is a douchebag. <laughs> yep. And now back to Thalia. Um, yeah, he, he's just slimy. He's just he's a politician that is there for himself and, and not really for his people. Um, yeah. It, it's hard. It's really – you can't – there's nothing else to say. It's just – yeah. You can tell it's that the like, other people are trying to like work together to, to, get, to create a government to help other people. And he seems to be there for the wrong reasons. Right. Yeah, he, he's the guy in the boardroom who brings all these problems, but not one solution. Yeah. And if he does bring a solution, it's, advantage, it's, it's to his advantage, no one else's. 
Mm. Um, Ultimate Sauce 8 says, uh, I love his name, Failure, and then in parentheses, basically Failure. And and it's probably partially the way that I'm pronouncing it. But yeah, like he's, I, yeah, I hope that he fails brutally. Um, Even even why, why he's there, he's riding the highs of his people who stole the the plans to the Death Stars. Yeah. He's, he's riding the backs of their sacrifice to get his own personal spot in, on the council and, and wants to take it all. Well, and there's a little bit of that. I mean, part of why the New Republic is struggling so hard to build, right, is look at what I contributed to the fight against the Empire. So I'm going to be in, in, in the role here now. And Admiral Akbar was like, yeah, but I did all this stuff and I'm I'm the beast. And um, it's just ego. Ego is constantly, even though they're the good guys, right? Like It's like they felt like they had to give him a seat yes. at the table, not because they wanted to, but yes. they felt obliged to. Yep. And yeah. he's going to take every advantage of that that he can. Um, oh, he irks me so bad. Um, just <laughs> a couple of other characters. We don't have to, to go in depth on them, but I loved uh, the little bit that we've got of Captain Pelion. Um, he's definitely like the everyman um, at, and is our proxy to Thrawn. Like we're, we don't get to see inside Thrawn's head much um, like we do in canon. I feel like we get to see a lot more of that, but I love that Captain Pelion is the... Um, just kind of our our gateway into into his big powerful blue brain um then we get rook who's the bodyguard to captain thrawn i loved his little moments of spooking peleon and like (laughs) playing jokes on him i i love that space ninja yes he is definitely a space ninja um and i love winter as well um winter i know will have a long-standing track um in legends too but i love that she has this perfect memory recall and you know leia has the thought of um you know, I bet a lot of these people that we're in meetings with would be deeply unsettled to know that she's basically recording everything. Um, any of those three characters y'all want to talk about? Um, Cheryl, anybody stick out to you among them? I just agree with everything you said. Cool. Adam, how about you? No, happy to move on. Sweet. Which um, I will give a shout out as we go to the connections portion of this. Um, which we're pretty much just going to bullet point, but, uh, Juliana, she sent me one message in discord. Um, let me see if I can find it right when we started this. Um, yeah, literally there was no prompting, but on January 31st, she just sent me a direct message that said it's called hot chocolate. And I love that so hard. (laughs) Um, it's just, it's just fun. And I just wanted to shout that out. Um, so thanks Juliana for, (laughs) for participating. Um, we talked about in light of the Jedi and we talked about the Minari mountain ranges. Um, here we get to see them and there's snow and there's a couple of different peaks. Um, and that's really interesting to see just the difference already. Um, cause you know, light of the Jedi, which is canon. We talked about, there's only the one thing that's left. Um, I thought that was neat. One of my favorite things that I realized, um, right after I read heir to the empire for the very first time, um, I'd watched rebels. So Thrawn, that was my introduction to Thrawn. Um, and I loved every second of it. When I watched the trailer that was released at celebration, however long ago that was, I remember like everybody losing their minds. And so I knew that it was going to be a big deal. But one of my favorite things is that in that trailer reveal and anytime you see his office, he's got like these little lizard looking things behind him on the wall behind his desk. And I had no idea that those were the Isalamiri. Um, I think that's such a cool little connection. Uh, Cheryl, did you catch that when you were watching Rebels for the first time? 
Of course. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> of course. Uh, I was just like, oh my God. Like on one of my rewatches, like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's such, such a subtle little way um, to put that in there. Uh, Scott with the Chris Pratt mind blown GIF game. Love it. Um, and then Adam, uh, I, we talked about Kenobi recently. Um, and I, there was a little bit of uh, Luke kind of has this um, similar wrestling with galactic problems versus people's problems uh, which one do i care about I and mean, we saw kenobi wrestle with that a lot in in the book kenobi did you catch that here and and do you have anything you want to say on it uh no we went through that like real deep yeah um during our kenobi months but like for me if you care for the people then in turn you know it, the galaxy will come it's to forget the, the the small people, to forget their their struggles, and just look after the galaxy, it's just yeah. We talked about this with Ben. It's just hard. I like the idea of caring for people first, and then caring for galactic issues second. Um, but and this is remember the kid's a farm boy, and like five years ago he was whinging about picking up some tools. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot for this for this guy to carry on his shoulders and it goes to what we talked about like 10 minutes ago regarding his self-doubt and his imposter syndrome. Like it just all melds into one. Yeah. That's a, an excellent point. And I, I, the next thing that I have mentioned on here too is uh, Luke, whenever they're on Bimisari, he thinks that five stories is too high to jump down. Um, and I would just like to say <laughs> that Loden Gradestorm would like to have a word with you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as as soon as I reread that, I was like, "What? Come on, man! He's looking but like Luke. Remember, he grows up thinking, yeah, that will mean death, right? You, they're yeah. different perspectives. He doesn't understand he's that never he has the a... ability to do that if he wants. Yeah, he's never had right? a master pushing him off of cliffs to, to test it. <laughs> <laughs> he never even knew that it was possible because everything in his life up to that point said, "No, you die." Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things, I think it was kind of cool. Um, it helped me get into it and Cheryl, I'll ask you this one, um, lumping, uh, two of these points together, but we get a lot of references to the original trilogy in this book, um, from like immediately Han was in Tatooine, um, you know, in the most Heisley Cantina, um, you know, we had Han and Leia's playful little moment of like, you know, I didn't have time to discuss this in committee. And she was like, I am not a committee. Um, what did you think of, what did you think of those moments? And, um, did it help you? Uh, did you like those connections, um, that it was pretty stringently tied to the OT? I know that some people have, don't prefer that. Um, but I personally love it. Like I liked the little, the little play because it was, Han was able to diffuse her anger yeah. by having that little, th those few little words. And then she's, she had a little laugh and said, I am not a comedian. It just calmed her down a bit. And then Luke's looking at it going, Oh, one of these <laughs> days I'm going to have to get them to tell me, like, it's just, it just shows the whole, like the nice family dynamic going right. on and like the relationships that are happening. So he doesn't do it in a way that's like, Oh, I have to, I have to put this in because OT, right? Mm -hmm. He just he does it nat like Zahn brings it in 
as a part of the natural progression of the conversation. So I, I like how he executes it. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam, do you would you agree with that? Yeah, just, it feels more organic. I do like it. Just those little things. Um, I'm a prequel kid, so they, they don't jump out as me as much um, as, say, someone who you know, grew up with the originals first. But yeah, just, it's, it's like an organic story. It just one follows the other. Yeah, it's a, a cool relationship building uh, thing. And I like what you said, Cheryl, about how it, it was used to be able to help kind of release some of that tension uh, in the moment mm-hmm. that was there for sure. Um, two, well, I guess one last connection and then, um, I guess a greater existential question at the end. Um, so the Mark Sable maneuver that Thrawn pulls off here, um, this was the first time that it was ever pulled. Um, but Ahsoka, um, actually did this in the Clone Wars animated series. Um, and I remember the first time that it was shown in there that a lot of people in, uh, communities online like reddit and such lost their minds because they were like this is a thrawn thing he's gonna come back and obviously at that time that was never in the cards but um that was a, a really cool moment um to get to read here and then here's my i guess overall question and it's something that thrawn and paleon um and sebioth are kind of talking about um at large and the idea of you know, battle meditation is a thing in legends. Um, but basically the idea that the empire lost on at Endor, uh, the forest moon of Endor, sorry. Um, they lost there because the emperor had died. Um, and because the emperor had his presence touching every facet of the battle, right? That his, his being dead all of a sudden just weakened them. Um, so I guess my question is like, did the empire lose because that was the case? Like was Thrawn right in making that assumption you think? Um, and I don't know that we ever get an explicit answer. Um, but Cheryl, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, we see, I, we see him in the prequels using his will to influence people in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Right. So when he starts gaining power, you can already see that he is kind of working in the hearts and minds, unbeknownst to them, that they are helping him achieve his will. And so it's not a stretch to think that his will and his desire and his desires are being like projected into the hearts and minds of his officers. And so I think that that once that was gone and was no longer influencing them, they kind of had a moment of panic Mm. and uncoordination. And they were, I think they were startled by that and it took them off guard. And that's why eventually Thrawn was like, well, yeah. And then you guys just like, you you guys couldn't like coordinate. Why do you think that is? What if, if, if not for that, why was, why did that happen? Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a another, um, I guess, logical reason. I guess, Adam, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I like, I like the idea of him using battle meditation when he's involved, um, just as another tick in the box of just how powerful he is as an individual and to the length he will go to control others. Like, he's literally just playing his own little video game at this point, um, using his using his willpower, and to have that taken away. 
as you said, Cheryl, I can just imagine like that split second where you go from having him in your mind without you knowing to you are just you again. Um, mm. And the confusion that would take from the bridge officers to the lonely navigator to the guy operating the gun, like there'd be that, that few seconds of what, <laughs> what exactly was I doing? Um yeah. This is this is super random and not at all related to Star Wars. Um but it reminds me a little bit of uh trying not to to super spoil anything. Um but the the wording that that you both used just reminds me of WandaVision. <laughs> um and one of the more recent episodes that we saw of, you know, what that I haven't watched the latest one. I'm not going to say anything else that would ruin it, but um you know, okay. she has these like mind manipulation powers and like going back and watching some of the older movies whenever she's out of the picture, she lets her powers dissolve. They're all, they're all like, what, what happened? Like, I don't understand. And that, I don't know, that just triggered since it's also fresh in my mind. Yeah. That's, that's really true about you just kind of forget who you are and, and you're unsettled and don't really know what's going on trying to figure that out. It's a really cool, really cool thing. Good job guys. <laughs> um, did y'all have any favorite moments in this? Uh, Cheryl, I guess I'll start with you. Do you have any favorite moments or characters from this first eight chapters? Um, obviously, my favorite character is Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Surprise! Uh, ha- having a formidable villain who is not a Force user. Like, it's just refreshing. So yeah. he, And he's using brains over bronze. It's not... it Like, it's just nice to have a foe who isn't just the typical pure evil ar- archetype you know it's a villain who is more than just lightning or lightsabers or brute force but rather a brilliant tactician who values art like it's yeah. just very new and fresh and i love it yeah no, excellent excellent points adam uh for me it was mara jade's introduction because i'd heard so much about this character um i feel like i know a lot of her story yet i've never read a single book or comic or anything with her in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was finally good to sit down and actually read a story with her involved. And not only that, like her actual introduction by the author who I'm told and what I've read agree with, like utilizes her in the best way. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to say that I think Thrawn was my favorite part of, of this whole thing. Um, for many of the same points that Cheryl mentioned, mostly that he's a non-force user, um, and I love being able to see someone use their use their brain to to beat the good guys, um, as opposed to utilizing all of these um, uh, basically supernatural tricks. <laughs> um, and I love that that um, he is able, and just like he proves with Sabaoth, he's able to strip away those powers and 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 just go up man to man pretty much of these are the things that I know versus the things that you know without any tricks. Um, and I'm going to beat you and I am way better than you and I will prove why. Um, and I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, I also love the discussion that's happening in our chat because, um, speaking of Palpatine and possible battle meditation and all that, um, they're talking about, um, you know, was he power powerful enough to still maintain all of that kind of concentration and and sway over the imperial fleet you know while he's in the middle of dueling vader and luke like that's a lot going on so you know if that's my answer is yes yeah yes he is 
<laughs> he's the most most big bad of all the bads <laughs> um so yeah that makes total sense um and i yeah i buy it i buy that he was definitely able to do that but and also um hey to yanba who joined glad to see you in here man um but that's all i've got Cheryl, incredible job. I am so glad to have you on for the rest of this month. Really looking forward to all of the cool discussions that we're going to get into, especially centered around the one and only Mara Jade. Adam, it's good that you're here too. Um, um, thank you to everyone um, for participating in the chat um, for participating with us here at the Conjure Book Club we will be back next week to talk through Heir to the Empire chapters 9 through 16 um, in the meantime you can find me Timothy on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie Adam is at DarkstarAU and Patrick is on Discord at Mac11 give him some love don't forget about that as he gets married later this month um, special shout out to our guest this week Cheryl Bell you can find her in the Discord community at Cheryl. She's got the blue butterfly at the end of her name. Um, and on Twitter at Cheryl K. Bell, uh, where she tweets all things Star Wars and funny things and she's absolutely hilarious. Um, if you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Air to the Empire and click the Amazon link on the profile. It'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content. You will also find links to Air to the Empire and March's book Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price in the show notes and in the Start Here channel in Discord. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up that sweet new We Are All the Republic shirt uh, that Jose made for us with all of the lightsabers of all of the Jedi in the High Republic so far. Utini.com um, forward slash merch. Special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, our guest with us, uh, Patrick Ortiz and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. Adam, thank you for being here, man. May the Force be with you, everyone. And remember, we are all the Republic. <laughs>